Good morning, everyone. Hello. It is a great privilege to be here this morning. You know, I can feel there's a difference in the atmosphere from these prayer meetings that we've been having in, in the morning before the meeting. Can anyone else kind of feel that? It's making a difference. The atmosphere is changing. It's really exciting. Um, so thanks for coming and supporting those. We are kind of halfway through a series called Keep the Change. Keep the Change. And this was partly inspired by something that Pastor Cesar, the pastor of a big church in Colombia, said. He says, when I change, everything changes. Why don't you say that to a few people around you? When I change, everything changes. When I change, everything changes. That's right. When God changes us, everything around us changes too. Amen? So we're halfway through this series, Keep the Change, and we're bringing you a message every week, every Sunday, that is supported by a devotional that you can download online and kind of go through in your own time at home. So we're now on to week three. That's online, available for you to download too from the download section of our website. Uh, that's www.iharvest.org.uk. And the devotional that you download is designed to help you change and to keep the change by giving a whole week to ask yourself some deep questions about where your life is at and what God is doing in your life. And really let, uh, let that get into your heart and into your spirit. So I'd really encourage you to make the time to read that. We front-loaded it with information at the start of the week, a kind of an explanation of the passage that Pastor Clive has written. Um, So once you've read that, there's the whole rest of the week to just spend time with God, like letting him answer questions in your life, bring issues uh, up in your mind, and really go deep and do some real stuff with him. So the theme of the devotional this week is serving with devotion. So I've called my message Serving Unswerving, because a bit of rhyme helps you remember things, okay? Serving Unswerving. And the first week of the Keep the Change series, um, Steve Foreman spoke, and he kind of gave you a couple of movies to help you get get into the theme of his message quickly, because we've all seen good movies, right? Okay, so my movie that I'm going to bring you this week to help you understand the kind of the key themes of my message is Spider-Man. Spider-Man, great movie. And in this movie, uh, Peter Parker, as he's known uh, in the real world, is an ordinary, and in the real world, uh, is an ordinary, hey, he could be out there, is an ordinary and unsuspecting young man. Uh, He's an orphan. He lives with his aunt and his uncle. They pretty much exist like paycheck to paycheck. Uh, He's living a very un- extraordinary life. He's a bit of a social outcast. You know, he's kind of the definition of underdog. But at some point, he discovers that he's been gifted with superhuman powers, and he's been given a mission to carry out. But as the movie unfolds, and as the mission becomes apparent, what we learn is that Peter Parker is actually motivated through life by the pursuit of a great love relationship. That's what motivates him throughout his mission. And this morning, you guys are going to learn how to become Spider-Man or Spider-Woman. Spider-Girl, Spider-Pig, is that the other one? (laughs) Spider-Pig, Spider-Pig, does whatever a Spider-Pig does. Okay, we're going to look at a passage in the Bible. It's not like a well-known passage. It's in the book of 1 Chronicles, uh, but it's a great passage. And in this story, uh, we pick up at the end of the life of King David. Now, King David, for those of you that kind of haven't read into his life very much, I'll try and give you a potted summary. He's like the greatest king that Israel has ever known um, and experienced. And this is the guy who started life off as a unsuspecting hero, okay? He was a shepherd. He was the youngest of seven brothers, and he was sent to work out in the fields by himself to look after the sheep. But he had a warrior's heart, and he was a worshiper as well. And he used those gifts to kind of fight lions, and then he famously defeated Goliath. His military prowess kind of grew, his reputation grew so much that even the king of Israel at the time was scared of him and sent him into exile. And, you know, God put his anointing on this guy and said, you're going to be the next king. But King David never, ever forced the plans of God through his own 
uh, actions or his own desires. You know, he was patient. He was respectful of the current king. He waited until God changed the circumstances and he was crowned king. And he won the hearts of the people around him. He won great, great bits of land. There was riches and fame that came with that. But really what motivated him, like Peter Parker, was a, the pursuit of a fierce relationship, a fierce love relationship, this time with the Lord. And he longed to express that depth of passion that he had for God by building the Lord, the first ever temple. Because prior to that, uh, God had kind of been represented by the Ark of the Covenant that was kept in tents as the Israelites traveled. But David was like, no, I want to build you this beautiful, amazing, incredible temple. But God said, you know what? I love you too, but that's not for you. That's, that's a job for your son, Solomon. He's going to be the one that builds me the temple. And David didn't sulk about it. He was like, fine, okay, that's fine. I'm willing for you to do your work that way, Lord. And he obediently prepared everything instead. He couldn't build the temple, but he got everything ready, gold and cedar and um, skilled labor and and jewels and riches. It was all ready for Solomon to take hold of. And this is where we join the story. Okay, King David is at the end of his life, and he's he's passing on not just the responsibility for this project that he's so passionate about to build the temple, but also this is Solomon's moment of coronation. Solomon takes the throne um, as part of this too. So David assembles. It says all of Israel. I'm not sure all of Israel could have kind of heard what he was saying, but certainly the leaders of Israel were there. There was a huge, huge uh, group of people gathered to hear David's kind of last and final words to the people and to his son Solomon. And, and these are the, these are, this is part of that speech that we're going to read this morning in 1 Chronicles 28, verses 8 to 10. David says to the leaders in front of him, now I charge you in the sight of all Israel and the assembly of the Lord and in the hearing of our God, be careful to follow all the commands of the Lord your God that you may possess this good land and pass it on as an inheritance to your descendants forever. And you, my son Solomon, acknowledge the God of your father and serve him with wholehearted devotion and with a willing mind for the Lord searches every heart and understands every desire and every thought. Did that give you goosebumps? That gave me goosebumps. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will reject you forever. So consider now, for the Lord has chosen you to build a house as the sanctuary. Be strong and do the work. I'm going to pray. Father, we open our hearts to you and we open our minds to you and we open our lives to you. And we say we want to change and we know that you are the one that changes us. Change us as we look at this passage together. Change us from the inside out so that we can be more like you and live a life more full of your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. So the first thing that we can learn from this passage is that it's important to give what you've got. It is important to give what you've got. Now, I'm going to tell you some stories, some stories of ordinary people, unsuspecting people who found themselves doing extraordinary things by giving what they had. You know, these people didn't have special investment from charities or from banks or from, you know, secret investors. These people didn't have like special qualifications that equipped them to carry out these things. They just gave what they had. Okay, so this lady here, she's called Robin. Uh, and Robin lives in um, North Carolina, in Charlotte, North Carolina. And she read a report somewhere that said that a huge percentage of her kind of local neighborhoods had absolutely no access to fresh fruit and vegetables. Um, and they couldn't afford them and they didn't have access to them. And she was kind of like, oh, that's sad. And I can do something about that. And she just picked up a spade and she dug up her back garden. And she started a kind of a community um, kind of growing project. Um, and it's impacted loads of people. Lots of people from the community have gotten involved. They've learned how to grow things. Um, and she um, sells these on for cost price at an affordable price. And she's made a big difference in her community. And there's a whole group of people around her now that have got something to do that they feel is joining them in a cause that they care about and is providing their family with kind of fresh fruit and vegetables. And the next lady I want to show you about, she's called Danielle. And she set up a website called the One Wish Foundation. 
Um, and the One Wish Foundation is uh, aimed at helping the public bless children in the foster care system. Because there are loads and loads and loads of kids in the foster care system. And, you know, they don't get birthday presents. And they don't get the things that moms and dads buy for their kids at the start of the school year when they need it. You know, they're on their own, really. And there are great agencies doing as much as they can for them. But by and large, they have a lot of needs that are unmet. Uh, unmet. So Danielle set this website up. And foster kids can go online and they can post, like, requests for the things that they need or would like in their lives. And it's open to the whole public. And the public can respond via this website and provide that item to that child. So, you know, some kids, they just want a birthday present. You know, they would like an Xbox or a pair of trainers. And there are other kids that have great needs. You know, there's this one guy, he's a young um, teenage guy. He hadn't seen his family in years. He was in the foster system. But somebody, a distant relative had died. Um, and he was invited to go and kind of see his wider family again at this funeral. But he was too embarrassed to go because he didn't have a suit. And he felt like he couldn't go and be part of this funeral and not properly dressed to show his respect. And he was able to post on this website and somebody bought him a suit so that he could go and be part of this occasion. Um, and it really changed his life to see his family again um, in that way. This next lady, she's called Twanda. And she felt like... Uh, the neighborhood she was growing up in was kind of deteriorating. That there was lots of teenage girls um, kind of, and teenage boys kind of hanging around on her street, making things difficult for the local neighborhood. And she said to herself, look, if we want to take back this city, we've got to take back our youth. And she, uh, she rolled up her garage, um, uh, garage door, and she just started a dance club in her garage for the teenagers kicking around near her. And they all got really into it. And this has turned into a big movement across her neighborhood. And there's lots of kind of halls and venues now hosting these dance groups. And young people are really engaging with what she's doing and spending their time productively and growing together um, in a different way. Uh, this next lady is called, yeah, it's another lady. It's another lady. But then as I pointed out to my husband, if you put me on the stage, you're going to get Ladies' Day. So here is another lady. This lady is called Francesca. She, do you know she's a black lady too? If you're a black woman here this morning, I would like to salute you because it seems to me that you guys are taking the lead in changing the world. Well done, you guys. Okay, this is Francesca. She is, uh, she's in London, actually. And she felt like... Um, Teenage girls were being faced with so much peer pressure and social media pressure that was impacting their self-esteem and making them feel um, bad about themselves or forcing them into situations that they didn't really want to be in. So she decided uh, that she liked football. She could play football. She'd start a football club for um, girls. And she would use that arena to kind of speak a positive message to them and encourage them that they could achieve in life and um, that they didn't need to come under this pressure. Uh, she spoke a different message to them. It's called Goals for Girls. And she won a Pride of Britain award this year because what she set up is now being rolled out all over London. There are these teams of Goals for Girls that are really helping women change um, from a younger age. I know this, uh, this girl here, she's called Rhea, um, and she, uh, she's, part, she's a British school girl, um, and her school decided to raise money for a, a Rett syndrome, um, and she thought, hey, I, I want to help, and she, she likes painting. So she has spent the last 100 days painting a picture. She painted a picture a day for 100 days, and she sold them all online um, and raised a great amount of money for Rett syndrome just by using her enjoyment of painting. She's put it to great use, and she's done something amazing with it. Okay, I do have a guy. Just one guy. I found a guy. He's a great guy. This guy is called Billy. All right, you guys have to give up for Billy because he lives on the island of Ork. He lives on one of the islands of Orkney, okay? And uh, the the community there, uh, there's been a kind of the drain away from the rural areas into urban cities, and there's not that many people living left on this island. So he decided that to keep his community going, which he was so passionate to do, he would devote all of his time and his energy to working on the island. He does six jobs on the island. He, he's the farmer. He's the manual laborer. He's the construction company. He's the fireman. Uh, he gives tours to all the, guy, the people that come and visit the island. He runs the gift shop, and he's also the light keeper. I mean, come on. That is devotion. That is serving with... That's right, Sophie. That guy deserves a round of applause. That is serving with devotion right there. He's doing it all because he's devoted to keeping his community going. You know, all these people, they gave what they had and they made something happen. It might have seemed small or insignificant when they got started, but they at least got started somewhere. Ordinary people who did extraordinary things. Unsuspecting people who found themselves doing un expected things. 
Now, this is not different to what we're reading about in the Bible. If we go back to our um, passage in the Bible, we've got an unexpected situation unfolding before us. You see, what we read about this morning in Chronicles never, ever should have happened. It was completely countercultural. Because in the culture of that time in the Old Testament, the Israelites would have uh, lived by a system in which it was the oldest son that inherited the land, that inherited the title, that inherited the kind of the family blessing, the cars, the girls, all that stuff. The older son would get it. And that wasn't just the Israelite culture. All the kind of cultures around them in that part of the world operated in that same system, that the title, the father's blessing, the father's inheritance was passed from father to oldest son. And the same was true of kings and princes. A king would pass his crown and the responsibility and the authority and the inheritance on to the oldest prince. But God does things differently. God does things in a totally unexpected way. Even before we get to this story, we've we've already read that God is the God that chose Isaac over Ishmael. He chose Jacob over his older stronger brother Esau. You know, Gideon is chosen from the weakest clan and from the weakest family to lead a revolution. And King David himself was chosen ahead of six older brothers who were all more, you know, the Bible describes them as handsome, qualified, enigmatic. They were, they were really, in, they were uh, energetic. They were characters that were popular and seemed like obvious candidates for the kingship. But God bypassed all of them, and they went, he went straight for David. So David is the youngest son that became a king against all the odds, and now David is passing his crown on to another younger son. See, Solomon has been chosen by God to lead the people now, rather than his older, handsome, more experienced, more qualified brothers. You know, in the next chapter, uh, if you read on a little bit, As everybody's gathered and David's kind of commissioning uh, Solomon to do this great work to build the temple and to take on the kingship, he even says to everybody, and my son Solomon, who is too young and too inexperienced to carry out this work. I mean, talk about ups and downs. You'd be like feeling so pumped about becoming king and your dad's chosen you and then your dad's like, but don't forget, son, in front of everybody, you are are too young and too inexperienced for this role. I mean, that was, I, I can't imagine a, a similar situation except maybe a phone call you've gone to a job interview yeah and you've kind of done really worked really hard and you've um you've said your spiel and you've done the tests and you get the phone call from the human resource department and they're like hey you were great you know you're the one that we want to give the job to congratulations you've got the job um you, you can start as soon as you've handed your notice in um we just thought you want to know that that um, you've got the job, but we did think that you were way too young for this role. And actually, frankly, you're, you're too inexperienced and you don't have the qualifications to do it. Okay, bye now. You'd be like, yay. And then you'd be like, no. Like, where would that leave you feeling as somebody who's about to take on this new job role? But that's made even worse, isn't it, for us in this culture? Because we're very much living uh, surrounded by a culture that demands personal praise. That's the kind of culture that we're living in. It's all about seeking personal praise. We're in a culture that's like, oh, my breakfast. Did you even see my breakfast? Did you see my breakfast this morning? Did you see it? Did you see it? Look at that. Look at my breakfast. I'm going to post it on Instagram. And everybody, you can just like, like. Can you like, please? Like, would you like my breakfast? Would you like, would you, would you praise my breakfast a little bit just here? Because this bit right here, I made that out of like green tea matcha powder. And that's like so good for your skin. It's like the best thing for your skin. In fact, it makes my skin glow. Hang on. Did you see my face? Look at my skin. Isn't it glowing? Could you, could you press like on my skin? Could you just like it there? In fact, in the comments bit, you can put some of those little praise hands. And then I would feel really good. Please, would you praise my face and my breakfast? I don't know who this girl is. She's very beautiful. Um, I hope she's somewhere blessed in the world right now. Thanks for letting me uh, use your photo. <laughs> but that's the culture that we live in. A culture that demands personal praise, but that is not the culture of the kingdom. The kingdom demands purposeful praise. Praise that goes purposefully to the Father. And that's a challenge in itself this morning. You know, can we be a people who don't seek um, personal praise to cover up our own insecurities and inabilities, but instead we praise a God who is secure and who is able, and that's where we direct our energy and praise. 
You know, that is why God chooses the lesser people in life to be the leaders. You know, he chooses the unsuspecting and the ordinary people to be leaders because they know that there's a gap between what they've got to give and what God can do with it. And they also know that it's God that backfills the gap. It's not up to us in our own strength or striving to fill that gap. They know there's a gap and they know God can fill it. They know they've only got a little, but they know that God can do a lot with it. You know, and that's uh, a privilege for just a few people in the Old Testament, because uh, there are only a few priests and kings and leaders. But in the New Testament, we're all called out of the ordinary to be kings and to be priests and to be leaders. 1 Peter 2 verse 9 says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. So why don't you find someone around you and be like, you are God's special possession. You are so special. You are just so special and precious. You're so special. But you know, it's not just Solomon that's been chosen this morning. We do have a Solomon in the house. But it's not just Solomon that has been chosen this morning because we are all Solomons. We've all been chosen for a purpose. We've all been chosen to undertake a mission, to fulfill a purpose in life, and to build the temple. You know, we are chosen with purpose and we are equipped with power for such a time as this. And with great power comes great responsibility. Now, that is not Pastor Clive, that one. That is Uncle Ben to Peter Parker. Great line from the movie there. With great power comes great responsibility. God is looking for us to start by giving what we've got and trusting him to fill the gap, make it something magnificent with his power. You know, the second thing that we see in this story is that we have got to get it together. We have got to get it together. Oh, come on. That's a fun one to say to a friend. Paul, get it together, man. You got, come on. You've got to try that one out. Find a friend. Just tell him. you just got to get it together. Nothing else but get it together. Got to get it together. And here's how we get it together. Okay, in the Old Testament... Solomon was building a physical temple. You know, we're talking about bricks and bronze and building works and blueprints and all that kind of stuff. But uh, after Jesus, Jesus was resurrected, you know, he made a way for us to have our sins forgiven so that we could have a personal relationship with Jesus one-on-one. And the traditional understanding of the temple shifted. God no longer needed a physical temple to live in. But instead, he came to live in our hearts and our lives. And 1 Corinthians says, don't you understand that together you form a temple to the living God and his spirit lives amongst you. That's the new temple. So today, you know, our primary response to this passage is to prioritize our own personal connection and relationship with Jesus who is coming to live in our hearts and in our lives. Through reading this passage and through the devotional you'll read this week, you know, you'll discover that we're being encouraged to develop um, a a character and a nature and a lifestyle uh, that is Christ-like in ourselves and in those that we're caring for around us so that together we can come together, we can be together and create a place for God to come and be in the midst of. You know, it's interesting. David's speech that he makes to Solomon uh, if we go back and look at it, you know, there was two pages that I put up on the screen there. And he says a lot of stuff before he gets to the last line. And the last line is the bit where he mentions the temple. The actual building of the temple, that commission doesn't come until right at the end of his speech. And that is because David gets it. You know, David gets what the true build is in this situation. You know, there's, a, there's a TV show that I really like. It starts with the words Great British. And I know what you're all thinking. You're all thinking Bake Off. But if you try one of my cakes, you'll know that that is not a show that I watch enough or closely enough in detail. I'm not a great baker. The Great British show that I love is called The Great British Interior Design Challenge. (laughs) That's where I'm at. That's what I like. It's a fantastic and amazing show. Uh, And amateur interior designers from all over the UK um, get given the opportunity to go into different properties around the country um, and work their magic on various rooms of real people. Uh, So they're like mock Tudor cottages or a castle that's been made into apartments or um, boathouses or something unusual. 
And these designers are sent in. They have a meeting with the people that live there. Uh, they're given a brief. Then they come up with a mood board. And then they have a couple of days with some help and some, uh, s- a small amount of money to kind of transform these spaces. And I love it. It's an absolutely amazing show. And they, they judge uh, their amateur designers on a whole ho- host of things. Like, you know, have they interpreted the style of the time properly? Have they used, you know, a good mix of texture and color and warmth? But the ultimate judging criteria that is used for these candidates is, did they deliver what the client wanted? Is what they've produced what the client really wanted? And you know, in this passage, David gets what God God really wants from Solomon. He doesn't want a well-designed, stylish temple interior, but you know, he wants a steadfast, solid, beautiful relationship with Solomon. You know, before Solomon is even commissioned to build the temple, David commissions him to get it together, to get his act together, to get his head together, to get his lifestyle together, to get it together. Before building the temple, Solomon had to get his own house in order or his own ducks in a row or whatever expression you want to use to help you remember that. You know, and I kind of, I was, as I was preparing this word, I was kind of imagining how this might have gone. I'm going to borrow Lily if you don't mind. And, uh, you know, we start the passage and Dave is kind of speaking to his leaders and uh, prepared you a chair. Dave is speaking to all of his leaders and it says, you know, halfway through the passage he turns and he says, and to you, my son, Solomon. Okay, now those of you that know me will know that I regularly call my own children. I have two children. They're called Leo and Stella. <laughs> but I spend a lot of time calling them the name of my siblings, Rich and Lily. So if you're in my house and it's time to go out, you'll regularly hear me say, Rich, Lily, put your shoes on. Rich, Lily, go to the loo. Whatever. I'm sorry, I can't help it. I'm an older sister. The responsibility is strong with me. So Stella's in kids' work today, so you're going to have to be Stella for me. But that's kind of close. So you can imagine David's done this thing and he's like said to all of Israel, hey, you guys, don't even. Hey, you guys, build, you know, it's important that you keep my commands. You've got to follow the Lord. You've got to do this. And then he kind of turns around to his son, Solomon. And I kind of imagine him, you know, like locking eyes on his son. He's like, all his attention is on his son because he's about to impart the kind of wisdom that is going to sustain this guy for the rest of his life. And it's like he's saying, son, daughter, you've got to be so careful about how you handle your life. You know, when God speaks to you, you have to be obedient to the very letter of the law. Okay, learn from my mistakes. Don't, do the mis- don't make the mistakes that I made, but learn from them and change and, and listen to God in everything that he does. You know, it's so important, Solomon, that you recognize what is at stake here. Take hold of what God's got for you and protect it and guard it and invest in it. You, you have to know God. Don't just acknowledge him, but know him deeply. Know his ways, know his words. Spend so much time with him. And, and you know what? The future of our family depends on this. You've got you've to play the long game, sweetie. One day you're going to be a granny. You're going to be a granny. And the decisions that you make now are going to impact and influence your granddaughters. The lifestyle that you lead now is going to have a direct impact on the lifestyle that they grow up to have. It's so important. Everything depends on your relationship with God, your, your future and your success, your children's future and your success, your grandchildren's future and your success. And you know, he knows you. You can't, you can't fool God. You know, he knows you from the inside out. You know, he knows, he, he knows the text messages you're going to send before you even pick up your phone. That's how well he knows you. He's got the measure of you. So whatever you do, don't depart from him. Make him your focus. Set your face like flint towards him and pursue him with everything everything you've got, okay? And then you'll get your pocket money. You hear me? Yes. Okay, you can go. Thank you. Give her a round of applause. It was as if he was speaking just to Solomon. Because David understands that understanding the true build, that understanding that God longs for a personal relationship with him and investing in that is what will really set Solomon up for success in his life and ministry beyond it. Seek first the kingdom, it says in the Bible, doesn't it? And everything else in your life 
will be added to you as and when God knows you need it. So we have got to get it together today too. We've got to understand what's at stake and we've got to invest in our relationship with God. You know, and if you're struggling this morning to get like a regular devotional time with God, or maybe you've put that on your goals for the year, spend time every day with God, I would encourage you to put all of your eggs in that basket, put all of your resources into making that happen, because it's in that together time that you get with God on a daily basis that he sorts everything else out for you. He sorts out, he'll speak to you about your finances, he'll speak to you about how to treat your family, he'll challenge you about where you're spending your time, he'll like tell you which jobs to apply for, everything else in your life comes from that connection that you have with God. And the third thing that we see in this passage, the third and last thing is that we have to go all in. We have to go all in. And if we look back at that passage, you'll see I've kind of highlighted some key words in the passage. It says, serve him with your whole heart. Oh, serve him with wholehearted devotion, sorry. And with a willing mind. For the Lord searches every heart and understands every desire and every thought. Be strong and do the work. That includes every part of our being. We've got our heart, we've got our minds, um, and we've got our bodies. And you know, this can translate, I suppose, into our feelings, um, into our thoughts, and into our actions. It takes everything we have, everything that we're about to pursue a relationship with God, and it impacts and affects all those areas of us too. It's an all-in with everything kind of relationship. And we can think about it in this way. You know, we've, we've looked at it in terms of building a temple. And, you know, building a temple takes more than just a blueprint, right? I can't just pull the... You're always on the front row. You're so great to talk to about this sort of thing. But he's a, he's a builder. It's no good, you know, if I ask Paul to come and do a roof extension in my property, I can't say, oh, um, Paul, could you, could you build me a, some space in my loft? And he, like, just gives me a blueprint. That's not going to do it. You know, he has to gather resources. He needs timber and labor and, I don't know, stuff stuff that I can live in eventually. Let's go back to Robin, you know, that lady that uh, started that community kind of garden um, in her backyard. You know, she might have had a good intention to grow a plant. And if I said to you this morning, you know, what does a plant need to grow? Then I'm sure all of you will say it needs water and it needs sunlight, but that's not enough to start a this, that's not enough for Robin to start her garden. You know, she had to have a more than just good intentions. She had to gather um, soil, and she had to gather pots to put things in, and she had to gather things to kind of prune the plants back so they sustained kind of healthy growth. She had to find a way of regularly getting water to her. It's no good saying, oh, um, all I need is good intentions, some sunny days and some rainy days, and there in the garden grows. That's not how it works. You know, you have to gather resources. You have to put time um, and energy into growing things. You have to get some plant stuff together. And we're going to spend some time in our city groups uh, this week looking a bit more into that, those three areas of our lives, our, our minds and our thoughts, our hearts and our emotions um, and our body and our actions and ask, you know, what can we do in these areas of our lives to create the right environment for a relationship with God to grow rather than just hoping that you get some sun and you get some rain and that'll do it. How can we actually really structure some things in our lives to create the right environment for a relationship with God to grow and to thrive? It takes our whole selves to create that culture, that place that God can come and live in your heart and life. It takes lifestyle choices to have a devotional life. It takes saying no to some things. It takes saying yes to other things. It takes a bit of tiredness sometimes. It takes like getting rid of distractions, tackling unbelief. It takes a lot of things to get a good relationship with God growing. And then you have to guard it like the crown jewels as we talked about last week. You know, there's another way we can think about it. So I'm going to tell you guys about some technology that is going to blow some of your minds. You're never going to have heard of this. It's going to baffle and confuse you. And that is only if you're under the age of 25. Teletext. (laughs) I'm seeing some blank faces from the Barry kids over here. What is teletext? Who remembers teletext? Yeah? Who played bamboozle on teletext? Oh, yes. Love bamboozle. So when me and Ben first got married... We sunk a large proportion of our wedding money into a big, fat TV. It was big. It went all the way back here. It wasn't very wide, but it was this huge, great thing. And it had teletext. And we were like, we thought we were rolling in the Benjamins. And we had this uh, remote control, and it had like red, yellow, green buttons. And you could could turn on teletext. And it it was just text. 
that the TV stations would send to your screen. And you couldn't flick through it. You had to like wait for the pages to like load and go around. And we used to check the weather on it. We used to look at the news headlines on it. That was pretty much it. Uh, play bamboozle. And uh, when you were out, play bamboozle. And uh, this was before we had children. And Ben and I decided that we, my husband and I, we decided we wanted to go on a holiday together. And back in the days, you would look on teletext for good holiday deals. So we turn the telly on and we put the teletext page on and we've got our pens out and we've got our paper out. And first up come the uh, uh, all-inclusive deals. And you have to wait for the all-inclusive deals to kind of flick around and you're looking. But me and Ben had a conversation at that point and we thought, you know what? We're not foodies. I'm sure if you know us at all, you know, we're just, we're just not foodies. We're, we don't go out for dinner very often. It's a waste on us. We're not, we're not big into food yet. So we thought we would put all of our money into miles. So we would spend as much money as we could getting as far as we possibly could away from the UK. And we would pack our suitcases with pot noodles. Because that way, we get a great holiday and somewhere really hot. We weren't compromising by having to pay for food. We would just take pot noodles and a kettle, and we'd be fine. And that is exactly what we did. So we've got Teletext on, and all the all-inclusive deals are, like, flicking around, and the pages are going around, and we're like, oh, for goodness sake, come on. And then we get to the self-catering pages, and they're loading, and then they're kind of giving you their average reading time to get down the page, and then they're loading, and oh, my goodness. And then eventually, the self-catering deals come up, and there we are. We're, like, furiously writing with our pens on our paper to, like, try and get the details down, and then we can make some calls. And we managed to book an all-inclusive... Uh, Sorry, a self-catering holiday to Valley of the Kings in Egypt. And it was amazing. And we did exactly what we planned. We packed my mom's travel kettle. um, And we packed some pot noodles, a lot of pot noodles. Steve is shaking his head in dismay at me. Okay, Ben wants to point out we took dried fruit too. I think we might have even taken some porridge because we figured we could use the pot noodle tubs again for like porridge and things. And off we went to Egypt, and we had an amazing time. It was incredible. It was like the best holiday ever. But when it comes to serving the Lord, it's go all-inclusive or just go home. There's no pot noodles in the plans of the Lord for your life. You've got to go all-in. You've got to go all-inclusive. You know, when I was thinking about this, I was like, man, why is it sometimes that we feel like we care about something so passionately and yet we just can't get, get it off the ground or we just can't succeed in it even though we, we want so much for that thing to happen in our lives? Have you ever wondered that? Have you ever wondered why you're not succeeding in something that you really, really, really really want, why you can't actually break through, um, through an issue that you've got that you really want God to set you free of, or into a job or a financial situation that you're desperately praying for? Why is it that these issues sometimes in our lives won't shift, even though we come to the prayer meetings and we show up at our devotional lives, these things still seem to bother us? Or sometimes you might wonder why you've got so many great intentions, but you just can't get them into action. Now, sometimes we can care about something so much that the more we start to care about it, the more passionate we become about it, the more the fear of not succeeding can grow alongside it too. So you can kind of be growing both those things alongside each other. And the deeper our passion for achieving something or breaking through in something or seeing something happen in our lives or changing ourselves, the deeper that passion becomes, the deeper our fear can become too. We can want it, we can work for it, we can pray for it, even fast for it, but there's sometimes this part of us that is so scared of what will happen if we don't succeed. So scared of what will happen if we fail in this thing that we want so badly that we just hold a little bit of ourselves back, that we just keep a pot noodle stashed away. It's like we're scared maybe of the pain of not succeeding or We're fearful that we won't ever become that changed person that we so desperately want to be and the impact that we'll never be able to make. Or maybe we're scared of having our confidence completely crushed because we didn't manage to make it to where we were trying to go. And so we hold a little bit of ourselves 
back just in case. There's a pot noodle stashed away in the suitcase just in case we need to soothe ourselves a little bit in the discomfort of not actually achieving what we wanted to. You know, it becomes an excuse. And uh, early in our meeting, you know, Jen, she's um, in kids' work at the moment, but she had a word, um, and she felt like God was encouraging us this morning to stop making excuses and to let go of excuses in our lives, to not say but to God, but to say yes to God and kind of go all-inclusive. And I think God's really got that on our hearts for us this morning. This is a morning to get rid of the pot noodles in our lives, to get rid of the parts of ourselves that we stashed away that we can't bear to give up to God because it's just too painful to even contemplate failing or it's just too painful to consider what life would be like if we don't achieve this thing or just too painful to think about what life would be like if we don't manage to change and be the person that we're desperate to be but it's this catch-22 situation isn't it because it does become an excuse for us if we hold something back we've got an excuse as to why we didn't succeed we want to succeed so badly but we're also scared of not succeeding so we hold a bit of ourselves back and then we don't achieve it and then we've got a reason that we didn't achieve it because we held a bit of ourselves back and you just go around this cycle of wanting something, but of being your own worst uh, enemy in achieving that thing because you're not putting all of yourself into it because you're also scared of what will happen when you don't succeed. I remember being being very aware of this um, in my own life. Uh, Back, I think when I did my A-levels, it used to be quite popular then for um, TV crews to show up at schools around the country, especially schools that were predicted to have good results, and they would kind of interview... um, the students about like, oh, what, what are you hoping to get in your A-levels? Um, or what are you hoping to get in your GCSEs? And then they film you opening your results. Um, and then, you know, they ask you about how it went. Did they do that to you, Lily? Was it you, your year? Yeah, they did that uh, my sister's year. Was it your GCSEs? Yeah, her GCSEs um, at school. And um, we just went to kind of school in Gateshead and they, they did that to the kids there. And, and uh, I remember when, when it's time for my A-levels, you know, friends and family and school friends and teachers would be like, oh, so what are you hoping to get? And I remember thinking, in my secret heart of hearts, I'm hoping for A's and B's, but I can't bear to tell people that I want A's and B's because if I don't get them, I'll look so stupid and I'll be so disappointed and they'll think that um, I didn't work hard enough or I was overachieving. So I'll tell them that I just want B's and C's because that's a safer bet. And then if I get A's and B's, then great, I can kind of celebrate, but I haven't put myself out there too much. And it started right, I I remember very clearly going through that thought process um, many, many moons ago. I'm not going to tell you how many moons ago, but it was many moons ago when I was doing my A-levels. But that's a way of thinking that can permeate all areas of our life, isn't it? We don't put, we don't, we've got secret dreams in our hearts. We've got secret things that we really want to achieve, but we're not going to verbalize them. And we're not going to visualize them because we can't bear the disappointment of not achieving them. So we aim a little bit lower because we'd rather exceed our expectations than fail to meet up for them. And when we do that, we're holding something back. We're holding something back. We're holding back the key to success. We're keeping it from ourselves. We're not letting ourselves visualize according with the Spirit. We're not letting ourselves see the things that the way God sees them with the eyes of faith. We're not putting into words the things that God wants us to speak out in faith so that we're able to achieve those things because we're too scared to put ourselves out there. We've got an excuse so that if we fail, there's a reason. It might be as obvious, maybe as your reputation or your image. Maybe, maybe you woke up this morning and you were like, you know what? I'm feeling a little bit flat in my relationship with God. I feel like I feel a bit burnt out. Like the passion's not there. I'm going to go to church because it's the right thing to do, but I'm not feeling it. And r- really, I know what my city group leader would say. They'd say, hey, get involved in the worship. You know, get to the front row. Get your arms in the air. You know, when Rachel starts clapping like this going to clap like this when Doug, oh no, Doug's putting his guitar down, he's picking up a microphone, that means it's going to be a Hillsong Young and Free song and everyone's going to dance and I, I know I've got to do it, I should be up there, I should be dancing if I really want to break through into the things of God, if I want to let myself go, if I want to let go of control and abandon myself to a passionate relationship with God, then I am going to have to dance and the microphone goes down. No, the guitar goes down, Doug picks up the microphone, Rachel's rolling up her sleeves, the music comes on, and you're like, ah, oh, no, I just, what if, what if I put myself out there? What if I lift my hands? What if, I, what if I show passion towards God and he doesn't meet me? What if I do all of that and I'm still empty on the inside and I just feel stupid as well? Or, 
even worse, what if I go up there and I jump like a crazy person and other people see me jumping and passionately praising the Lord and they think that I'm passionate about God and they think I've got a great relationship with God and they ask me to like pray for someone or they ask me to like lead a prayer meeting or they ask me to like help out a city group. That would be even worse. So I think the safest thing to do is, yeah, I'm just going to stay here. And there's an excuse There's a pot noodle. They're like, no, I can't. That would be disappointing. If God doesn't show up, I'll be so disappointed. Or if God doesn't show up and people have expectations of me that I can't live up to, I'll be disappointed again. So I'm just going to keep a part of myself back. I know what I need to do to succeed, but I'm not going to do it. Maybe you've got the sparks of a big dream in your life. Maybe God's spoken to you about something that he wants you to step out in faith and do it. But maybe you're scared of verbalizing it. Maybe you're scared of telling people about it. Because you're worried that either, they'll, maybe you're worried that they'll start to believe it too. And they'll think, yeah, I can see you doing that. I can see God doing that through your life. And then they'll start to judge you, maybe according to the dream that you've got. And you'll start to feel under pressure to be a particular kind of person to achieve that dream. And then you're worried that people are measuring you against it all the time. And you can't bear that kind of pressure or that kind of expectation on your life. So you're just, you're just going to keep quiet about it. Instead of putting it out there and trusting that God will fill that gap and turn your dream into something that you can do. Maybe it's even a sin. Maybe there's like a little, like a sin that you've stashed away to comfort yourself when life gets too pressurizing. Maybe there's some comfort that you draw from that. Maybe there's another issue in your life. We were talking about this at City Group the other day. So often we can have issues in our life that we say to God, oh, please set me free from this issue of, I don't know, you know, seeking my own comfort or um, running into wrong relationships or that kind of thing. Stop me doing that, God. Why can't I get the breakthrough in this? But you can't get the breakthrough because you're actually enjoying that issue because it's bringing you distraction and relief from a much deeper fear in your life. Fear about not being loved, a fear of rejection, a fear of disappointment. There's something deeper going on in your life and you're masking it with a kind of a behavior or an attitude or a habit that you're telling God that you want to get free of, but actually you're hanging on to it secretly too because it's bringing you some kind of relief from a deeper fear and issue. And this morning, we can just strip that away. We can be honest with God. We can let our deepest fears out before God and he will fill the gap. He will come and meet you this morning. He will bring you freedom from a fear of failure, from a fear of rejection, from a fear of pain. Whatever your deepest fears are, God can set you free from those things this morning. And I know what you're thinking. If I let this fear go, if I let this habit go, if I let this issue go, well, then what? What now? Well, that is the very definition of faith, isn't it? That is what faith is is all about. It's about coming to the edge of the gap and knowing that if you put in everything you've got, if you let go of everything that you've got, if you go all in, fears included, there is a gap. And stepping into that gap is the faith to say, hey, God, I know that you can do something with what I've given you. And you're the God that will come and fill the gap. You just want me to get into it. You just want me to have a go. You just want me to give it up, to go all in, to give what I've got, to get in the gap and be confident that God will fill it. And the confidence to know that God will meet you in the gap is, comes from that devotional life. It comes from meeting with him every morning. It comes from spending time getting to know his heart for you. It comes from getting his identity really firmly fixed in your heart, that you're his child, that he's got great plans for you to prosper you. He's not going to harm you. He's got great things for you to do. He's not going to leave you. He's going to out-resource you. He's going to out-love you. He's going uh, to take you places that you never thought you were going to go. That is our God. That is who he is. And, you know, as I think Ben was saying last week, one of Pastor Clive's um, Disciple has once said to him, you know, you and I are incompatible and I don't change. God doesn't change. If you want to cross the gap, we're the ones that have to get into it. And God won't change. He will meet you. He will do something with what you've given him. And that's what I'm doing this morning. I'm putting myself out there with the little that I've got. I've had a little amount of time this week. I've got a, uh, I've got a daily devotional life that I give everything I've got to before I get jumped on by the kids who want their cereal. I've got uh, a limited amount of skills and resources, but I've given what I've got this morning and I've put myself out there and I've said, I've got, I'm in faith that the gap is you'll fill it this morning and you'll make this word something that speaks to people's lives this morning that actually helps them or challenges them or encourages them or changes them. I've got nothing, but I've given what I've got and I'm trusting this morning. That's faith that God will take what I've given 
and bring it into fruit in your lives this morning. So we're going to res- respond together. We're going to stand. I'm going to ask um, the band or someone from the band to come and kind of lead us in a bit of worship while we respond to God. Because if we're seeking a devotional life with God, if you want a passion for the Lord this morning, this is your morning to put yourself out there, to give God what you've got and to trust that he is going to come and he is going to meet you. If there are fears in your life this morning, if there are deep, deep, deep fears that you are too scared to even let go of, this is your morning to let God whisper those into your heart and say, hey, I'm going to give these up because I know that I can't succeed in life. I can't move into the things of God if I'm still hanging on to these things. If you're struggling with issues that you just can't break free of, if you just can't get a breakthrough this morning, you feel like there's stuff in your life you've asked God over and over again, change me, help me, do something, and it's not shifting. This morning is the time to say to God, is there something underneath this? Is there a deeper fear that you want to deal with and help me with this issue? It might be the morning that you think, hey, this is my time to get breakthrough. It might be that you need the courage to just put yourself out there this morning and trust that God is a God who is going to meet you and he's going to make up the gap. This morning is the morning to decide in your heart that you are going to give what you've got. Can you say that with me? I'm going to give what I've got. I am going to give what I've got. I'm going to give what I've got to the Lord. This morning is the morning to go all-inclusive. Can you say that to the Lord? I'm going to go all-inclusive this morning. I'm going to go all-inclusive this morning. And this morning is the morning to receive the challenge, to get it together, to get your devotional life together, to make the changes, to get that devotional life as uh, cemented in your life so that it can fuel every other part of who you are and what you're about. So should we pray together? I'm going to encourage you, if you want to respond to this word, make like Adam, get yourself to the front. If any of those things speak to you this morning, If you want to put yourself out there with me this morning, come and join me up the front. It's a great way to be. I love putting myself out there because God always comes. God always meets. God always makes up the gap. I encourage you, don't miss this opportunity. If you want to respond to God this morning, if he's speaking to you about any of those things, come out here this morning. Open your heart before him this morning. Have a willing mind this morning for God to come and work in your life today. And we're going to pray for you. Holy Spirit, here I am. Here I am, Lord. Here I am, God. Here I am, God. I want to put you in the hands of the fears in life that are holding them back the deep fears the deep fears the places that only your Holy Spirit can touch God's speaking to us now He's showing us He's revealing to us the things in our lives that cause us to pull back whether they're masking a deeper issue or whether it's a deeper issue themselves this morning God is putting those on your mind and He's asking you are you going to let go of it? Are you going to let go of it? Because I'm ready to take it off you. I'm here to take it off you this morning, my son. I'm here to take it off you this morning, my daughter. This is not my best for you. I've got something better for you this morning. I have a life of freedom. I have a life of liberty. I have a life of faith for you this morning. You just have to let it go this morning. You have to give it to me. You have to go all in for me this morning.
desperate for you I'm desperate for you I surrender If your heart is to go all in this morning, then I just want you to raise a hand with me uh, and acknowledge, God, this morning I'm surrendering my agenda over to you. I'm surrendering my hopes and dreams, my fears, my comfort, everything that I was holding back to this morning is a morning to go all in. And I'm surrendering it over to you. Holy Spirit, we recognize that it's your power that enables us to do that it's your ability working in us that means that not only we can make a decision now but we can stick to that decision through this week and so holy spirit our heart and our commitment is to surrender over to you this morning and holy spirit god come in this place holy spirit we love your presence we rely on you we fall back on all that you are We fall back on your ability to see us through. We fall back on your ability. We surrender over to your purpose for our week, your purpose for our future, your purpose for our lives, God. Holy Spirit, I pray in this time where you come, speak to every heart here this morning, to every person, surrendering over to you, to every person, waving that flag of surrender over their lives. Holy Spirit, come bring new strength. Come bring strength to Uh, to fall back, bring trust to fall back, to lean back on you to go all in for your purpose for us in this time Father we pray that you would come in your power this morning and you would break the bondages of fear in our lives, this morning we take a stand against fear we speak to every part of our lives that has been sown in fear or is hiding under a shadow of fear and we say you cannot stand against the love and the freedom that Christ brings when he lives in our hearts. And this morning, we pray that you would set us free from fear in a powerful way. We speak to freedom and tell it to go in the name of Jesus. Spirit of fear, you have no place in our hearts and in our lives. We are not a people that are going to be held back by fear. But this morning, you are bringing freedom and you are bringing release from deep fears, from deep pains, from deep disappointment. You are changing our vision. You are changing our language. You are changing our motivation. Lord, 
Lord, this morning we pray that you would surround us with love. Father, that we would make a lifestyle that is based on a foundation of love and not fear. Set us free this morning from all of those fears in our lives. Lord, we pray that the blood of Jesus that was shed from your heart would fall over us. You know, John Kamara was praying that out this morning. You know, when they pierced Christ, when he lay on the cross, they they pierced his heart and blood flowed and water flowed. And, And that is a picture of a divided heart. That is a picture of what it's like to have a divided heart. That Christ died for people that are experiencing and living under a divided heart. God calls us to be wholehearted towards Him. And this morning, God, we pray for every one of us that is struggling with being divided in our affections and our emotions and our passions and our interests and our desires. This morning, would you unite them under the cause of Christ? This morning, would you unite us with conviction again that you are the one that we live for? Your kingdom is what we live for. Your your name is who we lift high in our lives. And would you heal every divided heart this morning and make it whole again? And for your kingdom this morning. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. God, I just pray for every person here to kind of finish off with as well, Lord, that they would have great devotional lives with you this week. Lord, would you show up? Lord, as we take a step into the faith gap, would you fill it? Lord, as we step out, as we put ourselves out there, as we put our hopes and dreams and our pains and disappointments out there before you, would you heal? Would you release? Would you meet us in our devotional lives? Would you come and minister to us? Would you change us? Would you do something in our lives that's so deep that it can never be reversed in our lives this week? In the name of Jesus. If you want to stay here, I'm so happy to like pray for anybody. Like I'll stick around. Ben's gonna stick around. Someone could pick our kids up. That would be awesome. But we'll pray with you guys. And um, anybody that like feels that they've got a little bit further to go on this this morning, the band's gonna keep playing. The rest of you guys, if you feel like you've met with God, you've kind of got what He's got for you this morning, you're wrong. No, I'm kidding. Uh, feel free to go get yourself um, a coffee and a biscuit and all that kind of stuff. Um, and we'll just leave some space here in the atmosphere of God for people that want to stick around and really do some business with Him this morning. Is that okay? Um, and then we're obviously back here next Sunday for Keep the Change Part 4. Amen.